Good morning, Joy Christian Center. How many of you are ready to hear from the Word of God today? Amen. Praise God. Well, let me try over here. How many of you are ready to hear from the Word of God today? Amen. Amen. How many of you know that God's a good God? Yeah. He's for you. He's not against you. He's on your side. You might have come here this morning thinking that, you know, everything is against me. I'm here to tell you there's some good news today, and that is that God is for you. Might feel like the world's against you. Might feel like your mother-in-law's against you. Might feel like the outlaws or the ex are against you. It doesn't matter. God's for you. And if God be for you, who can be against you? Amen. No one. Praise God. No one can be against the family, the child of, of God. Praise the Lord. And so welcome to Joy this morning. Glad that you were here today. I am filled with the Holy Ghost and caffeine, and I am ready to just worship God together with you. I'm ready to just, I just want to preach this morning. I don't know if you're ready to hear what I have to say today, praise God, but I trust that God has already been preparing your heart, at least that's what I've been asking him to do this morning, just saying, God, prepare our hearts to receive from you today. How many of you would prefer transformation rather than information? I think some of you are liars, because we say we want transformation, but do we really want to change? Do we really want things around us or or things in us to change? And so uh, that's some of what we're talking about this morning. I want to welcome those of you that are watching us online. Thank you for being a part of this service uh, this morning. A thing I like to do is just ask you to fill in, you know, just in the chat box there. Where are you watching from? Uh, always kind of fun to know where people are, are watching from. At least for me it is. It's kind of interesting to see. Uh, it's just interesting to see to me. It's just amazing. Why do we have people in Germany watching Joy? Why do we have people in, in other... I just don't know. I don't know. But thank you for being a part of it and, and uh, a part of this service. And uh, we know that some of you, maybe you've got young ones that are, that are just not feeling well and others are traveling. And so thank you for taking the time to be with us. Some of you are watching this on Tuesday night, and so thank you for that as well. So, uh, and thank all of you for being here this morning, braving, braving. It is nine degrees below zero right now, only in Minnesota. Uh, if I, I, I was exchanging emails with a young man in Antigua, and he was interested in, in the creative arts position. And, and so I was in, I, I just back and forth, and I said, you do know that this is Minnesota. <laughs> have you ever been to the United States? Minnesota is cold. And they have, I think, the Hallmark movie moment of like, oh, my wife and I have always wanted to live where it snows. <laughs> you all, that's exactly what I, I couldn't type that in an email. It just didn't fit. But, but anyway... I'm glad that you're here today. We are hearty men, the sultans, don't you know? Jesus, he bless us so good. We come to church. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) Praise the Lord. All right. We're doing a series. We're in week four of a series that we're calling Here. And we are glad that you are here, but that's not necessarily the point that I'm trying to make. And I know that in the last couple of weeks, I have perhaps been preaching to you from the Department of Redundancy Department. And I have been saying several things over and over because I want you to understand the heart of really what we're talking about because I hear still some people talking about here to there and I know that that is the graphic that you see behind no you don't see it behind me it's not there right now but it will be there (laughs) that is the that is the idea that I'm here but I want to be there how many of you have a there that you would rather be in I'm not talking about geographically. I would rather be there on a beach in wherever it's warm. That's not, now that's, we we would all like that, but that's not reality because where you are is where you are. 
Your here is here. And when you get there, you're still going to be here because here becomes, there becomes here. Right? And so when we talk about from, I'm talking about here, the idea that where I am is where I am and it's the best place that God has for me. The definition of the word here uh, uh, from dictionary.com simply means this. It means in this place, in this spot or locality, it is here as opposed to there. In this spot here as opposed to there. And I think all of us have a there in our minds, a a there that we would prefer. I I would prefer that one day I hope to be there or here where I have more money. Some of you, you know, it's like I'm single here, but I would rather be there where I'm married. Others of you are like, I'm I'm married here, but I wish wish they would have said no instead of yes. Some of you, you're here and, and, you know, your goal at the end of 2022 was to have lost 20 pounds and so far you only have 25 pounds to go. <laughs> your here is not where you want to be, you want to be there. And, and so we understand that, we, I think we get that in a general picture. But I also know that, you, the, that some of you are here and you hate it here. You hate life here. You hate this moment right now. You would do anything that you possibly could to move from here to there where the financial pressure isn't anymore, where the relational hardships aren't anymore, where there's peace instead of chaos. And the here that you are in right now is, is one of the most difficult moments of your life. In Philippians chapter 4, Paul said this. He said, I have learned. Everybody say learned. learned. This is something that does not come natural to humanity and it does not come natural to Christians. I have learned, he said, to be content regardless of the circumstances. I've come to a point in my life, Paul said. And you think about Paul's hardships. Constantly doing the will of God, the plan of God, the purpose of God. Constantly doing what God wants him to do. And he finds himself in prison. He finds himself getting beaten. He finds not just sinners mad at him, but Christians mad at him. And it seems like everything and everywhere he went, it was like it turned and worked against him. And yet he was able to say, I've learned something. I've learned that regardless of the circumstances that I am in, I can be content Well, how could that possibly be? How can you be content in painful situations? And a lot of what I'm sharing with you this morning really was born out of, and I I won't go into great detail, but born out of some things last summer that I I personally just went through. And, and, And I hated here, not Joy Christian Center, not Minnesota. I just hated where I was in my life. I hated where I was. I had thought there were some things that were going to happen that would really be beneficial to this church and all this stuff. And it all just fell apart. And it was like a dream died, something died. And I hated it here. And I had to go to the word of God. I had to go to the presence of God. I had to learn some things where I was at that moment. And what I guess I'm trying to say to you is I want you to learn to love it here. I want you to learn to love it right where you are right now. I believe with all of my heart, with everything in me, that where you are right now is the absolute best place that you could be. And I don't mean here at church. I think that's a great thing. I think you should be in church. So I'm glad that you're here, but that's not the here that I'm talking about. Wherever you are, whatever the circumstances, whatever's going on, here is the very best place that you can possibly be. Because God is here. And so often, what we're thinking in our heart and in our mind is, when I get there, when my life is a little bit better, 
When I, when I pray better, when I, when I maybe do more acts of kindness and goodness, when, when, when I'm not so selfish, then God, over there, then God, you can speak to me. There, God, you will bless me. You need to know this morning that right here is your place of blessing. Right here where you are. God doesn't bless you there. He blesses you here. So quit waiting. Take advantage of the moment, which is why over the last couple of weeks, let me just remind you of a couple of things that we said, sort of aha moments that I think that are important, but some sound bites from the last couple of weeks. I think this, and this is where I was, the desire to be there, the desire to be there becomes the enemy of here. We've gotten to a point sometimes in our life where the pressure is so great and there looks so much better than here. And certainly there is a divine, I call it a divine discomfort perhaps that you have. I'm not saying that we just settle. I'm not just saying there's case or or whatever will be will be and you just accept everything that happens. That's not my point. I'm not saying don't have dream, don't have vision, don't have, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying Ed, is that understanding that God is always here. And the weird thing about here is even when you get there, there becomes here. You are always living here. Amen? But that doesn't mean that we don't believe for. We grow from glory to glory, from faith to faith. Faith is the substance of the things that we hope for. Got to have both of those operative in our life. But the desire to be there can, can really distract us and it can, it, it can become the enemy of here. And so when my focus is there, that one day, Pretty soon, sometime, when I get it all together, when they stop doing this, when I start doing that, the, my focus is there. I don't give any attention to here because here hurts. Here stinks. I'm doing everything I can to get away from here and to get there where I think it's going to be better. And I think this, if you don't learn the lessons of here, if you don't grow, because this is the only place that you can grow. You can only grow here. And if we don't learn the lessons of here, then we do, or, or, or there, I'm sorry, if we, don't, if we don't learn the lesson of here, we'll never get there. And so we've got to focus on where we are right now. And I, I want to say this again, because however you got here, however you got to here, you are here. And I have found this in my own life. I found this in the lives of others after 40 years of being in ministry that most people never start because of where they aren't. We come up with all kinds of excuses that one day, someday, sometime, but because I'm not there yet, I can't. There's always a can with God. So there's always a can with God. So regardless of how you got here, here is where you are. You can only deal, you can't deal with how you, you can learn from the mistakes of the past. You can learn from the associations of the past, all of that. You should do that. But let's all just settle that where we are is where we are. If you're hurting right now, you're hurting. If you're, if you're satisfied right now, you're sat, where you are is where you are, regardless of how you got here. And, and, and I guess in all of those things, I want to say to you, because we've been using Matthew chapter 6 a lot, and we're going to take a look at it just a little bit more uh, this morning. I would encourage you, if, if perhaps this is one of the first messages that you've heard uh, in this series, I am a fan of hearing the word of God continually. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The only way you can get faith is by continually hearing God's word. 
And if you've not been a part of these services, and I try to, I try to make a message. I, I like to teach in a series. I, I kind of feel like it's one sermon, but divided over weeks. I, I like to do that, but I also try to build into it the, the idea there's something that you can all learn here. Just if you, because if you've missed, just because you may have missed one part does not mean that you're, you're going to be lost in, 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 under, in understanding. And so my point when I say this to you, that I want you to learn to love it here. I want you to learn to live here. Not that we give up on there. It's because simply this, you can only seek the kingdom of God from here. We come up with all kinds of excuses about why we can't seek the kingdom of God, why we can't put God first. We, we come up with all kinds of reasons why. But let me remind you of what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. I would encourage you to again go through that whole chapter. Lots of great things. It's part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, chapter 5, 6, and 7, where it's the longest recorded sermon that we have of his. But Matthew 6, 33 says this. It says, put God's kingdom first. How many of you have ever heard that before? Maybe you heard King James, New King James. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then it says, do what he wants you to do. And then all those things will also be given to you. Put God's kingdom first. You can only put God's kingdom first here. We're all waiting. Well, after a while, after I've, after I've done what I've wanted to do, then I'm going to put God's kingdom first. After I don't feel as guilty, then I'm going to put the kingdom of God first. You can only put God's kingdom first right here, right where you are right now. Some of you, I've been talking a lot about a, a forward there, but some of you are so hooked to the there of the past because of back there where I messed up, where I screwed up. Where, where I failed, where I fell, where I, I, I was an idiot. Back there, I can't seek the kingdom of God yet. Because I, I need to do some things. I, I need to really feel bad and I don't think that God loves me right now. No, you can only seek the kingdom of God here. And then he says, do what he wants you to do. You can only do here. Again, many of us are waiting. Many of you have the, the lottery plan. When I win the lottery, then I'm going to give. Can I tell you that's not effective? <laughs> Over the years, we've had people throw lottery tickets in, scratch-offs in. <laughs> Serious. In the offering. I've often thought, what happens if there's a million-dollar winner in there? We'd have 47 people saying, I gave that ticket. You know, it's like, dear Jesus, that's why there's never been a winner yet. <laughs> Oh, hallelujah. Maybe one day there. You can't, be a follow, you can't be a doer of the word of God there. You can only be a doer of the word of God here. And then he says, then all these things are going to be added to you. And the things that he talked about were the things that were the, the basics of this life. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to live. Your heavenly father knows that you need those things. And it comes down to a, it comes down to our heart. Do we really believe that? Do we really believe that God can take care of us here to help get us to there? Which is why last week we talked a little bit about this, but, but in Matthew chapter six, Jesus gives us the Lord's prayer. Our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. I, often get asked, how come we don't pray this? My old church, the church I used to go to, we pray that every week. We pray that all the time. That's great. 
Perhaps we should try to do it more than pray it. Do we really want to put God's kingdom first? Thy kingdom come, your will be done. God, before my kingdom, before my will, before my needs, before my wants, before my desires. God, is there anything you want to tell me about your kingdom? Tell me about your will. Is there anything that you want me to change in my life so I better reflect your will? Then he says, give us this day, right here, right now. Give me daily bread. He encourages you and he encourages me to pray and ask for daily bread. I don't know if you've ever done this or not. You ever gone to your drawer and you go, you're kind of like wanting a sandwich and you open up the the drawer and you pull out that wrapper of bread and there's like, it's wearing a green blanket. Anybody ever had that happen? How many of you know that yesterday's bread sometimes is really dry, it's more like a cracker? It's not even toast, and you know. <laughs> Yesterday's bread gets stale. Last month's bread gets moldy. And you need daily bread every single day. And I think that's what Jesus was trying to tell us. Daily bread today is going to give me faith for tomorrow so that I don't worry about the things. I don't worry about what I'm going to wear, what I'm going to eat, what the price of toilet paper is, if there's toilet paper or not, how much eggs are, how much lettuce is, all those. I don't have to worry about those things. And that's the practical, the everyday stuff. Your father already knows what you have need of. So rather than spending time there with him and telling him what he already knows, let's deal with the heart of the matter. Let's deal with some things on the inside. Let's deal with the inside part of our heart and of our life. Because that's really where change happens. That's really where it is that God can minister, that God can work in our heart and in our life. It's in that place. It's in that moment. And so let me get back to my notes for just a moment before I go too far. So I guess what I'm trying to say to you this morning is simply this. And I don't want you to confuse this. I'm not talking about here versus there. I'm talking about here. I want you to learn to love it here. I want you to learn to live here. I want you to leverage to your advantage and to your benefit here so that it becomes the point that there is no longer the goal of your life. That regardless of the circumstance that you, and again, I'm not telling you that you will always live, I'm not saying give up any hope of ever having more, a a, a bigger financial pie to work with. I'm not saying don't ever, you know, desire a, a relationship. If you're single and you want to be married, I'm not saying don't, I'm not saying don't do those things. What I'm saying is simply this, is there doesn't become the goal because I'm focusing on, on the Lord here. Because here is where my blessing is. Here is where my father is. Here is where the grace of God and the goodness of God is I believe this when when Jesus said put the kingdom of God first and do what he says to do it's obedience here this is a lesson I had to learn the obedience here obedience here will bring you there and the thing to watch out for is there becomes here but obedience in this spot right now. I can't obey when things get better. I can't obey when, 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 you know, when everything just seems like it's now easy to obey. I have to obey as soon as I know what the Spirit of God, what the Word of God is telling me to do. And I think if we were totally honest this morning, most of us just sort of nod, yeah, yeah, I should probably do that. But we've really taken a very casual attitude to the things of what God says. We've taken a very casual attitude to the things that God says, this is what you should do, this is what you shouldn't do. 
And are we really putting the kingdom of God first? Are we really doing what he says to do? Because until we do those two things, all these things will not be added to you and you will be frustrated because you'll hear about them. You'll wonder about them. We sing songs about, you know, this morning about, about, you know, miracles and all those other things. And sometimes God is waiting for us to make some adjustments in our life before we're ever going to see a miracle. I knew that would go over really well and excite everybody because that's not what we want to hear. We want to hear your breakthroughs coming. Pretty soon it's, uh, God is here. Yeah, and sometimes, you know, if we preach the truth, but your breakthrough's coming in three years. After you make some changes, after you let God deal with you and minister to you and grow you up where you are right now. So Jesus taught us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. And, and, and I think this, that you will not be able to face the challenges of tomorrow with yesterday's bread. Today's bread gives us faith to th- for tomorrow. And so what I said to you last week, I said to you a couple of weeks ago, is if you will put the cross to your here. Put the cross here. It's going to bring you there. It is obedience here that brings you there. The essence of the word there is the word here. That little T, that cross changes everything in our life. Amen. See, we, we've, we've applied the cross in the area of salvation. Hopefully you have. You're born again. You've made Jesus the Lord of your life. All of those things. You've applied the cross to that part of your life. But when you're here and you're struggling, the cross is still relevant. And so I think this, if we're going to put God's kingdom first, and if we're going to do what he says to do so that these things are added to us here where we are right now that will propel us and bring us to there, which again then remember there becomes here. You will always live in here. You will always, you will always live in response to God every day. Until this day is done and you're now in heaven, then everything changes. But you're not there yet. And there's a reason for it. So we've got to answer two questions. Number one, whose kingdom really comes first? Now we're, we're in church. It's Sunday morning. Most of you are Christians. You know the right answer. Whose kingdom comes first? But on Tuesday, whose kingdom comes first? When you look at your checkbook, whose kingdom comes Most of you don't have a checkbook. When you look at your bank statement, whose kingdom, actually, when you, when you read the, the ads, when you're on Amazon, whose kingdom comes first? You don't have to answer that one out loud. Whose kingdom really does come first? Am I willing to do, second question, am I really willing to do what he's told me to do? Well, I, don't, I haven't heard the voice of God. I don't know what God's told me to do. Let me just help you out. You have 66 volumes of what God has told you to do. And please understand that I've talked about this many times, and I don't want to take a lot of time here because I've got a lot of things to get through. But let me just remind you. God is not evil. He is not hard. He is not mean. God has your very best interest in heart, at heart. And so when he says to do these things, there's a reason that he's saying it. Because he knows that it will bring peace into your life if you do the word of God. He knows that it will bring favor and blessing into your life if you do what he says to do. He knows that there's going to be storms and there's going to be winds and, and, and temptation and testing and trial that's going to come through you. And he knows that it is only on these exceeding great and precious promises that we can build a life that will be solid. 
We can build on the sand if we want to. We can hear the word and not do it. But eventually there's going to be a crash and a fall in our life. And instead of being the soldier that God wants us to be, instead of being the, the pilgrim, the sojourner, the one who is on a journey, we become a settler. God doesn't want us to settle. God wants us to continue to grow in him. But when I begin to answer the question, whose kingdom is first? And, and I'm not saying that I'm perfect in this. Nobody is perfect in this. You don't just become a doer of the word of God and put the kingdom of God first, never have to wrestle with it again. Every day there's a wrestling match. Every day there's a wrestling match about the kingdom. Whose kingdom is coming first today? Because I'm mad. I'm ticked off. Whose kingdom is going to come first today? Because do you know what they said about me? I'm mad, I'm angry, and I don't want to forgive. Whose kingdom is going to come first? And the second one of, am I willing to do what God has said to do? When I begin to answer those two questions while I am here, not after they have asked me to forgive them, not after they have met my conditions of, of feeling, you know, they feel really, really terrible, not after I've went on Facebook, not after I've gone on Instagram, not after I've done everything that I could possibly do to let everybody know how much I'm hurting. That was for second service people. Except we don't have a second service. That's for people, people. When I begin to meet those conditions in my life, that's when here becomes holy ground. That's when here becomes holy ground. That's when here becomes the place of blessing. That's when here becomes the place of transformation. That's when here becomes the place of life change. It's where we... Wow. I guess it's time. <laughs> what? My Bible is naked. Well, that's all right. My Bible has made me feel naked from time to time too. So there you go. When I put the cross here, it will take me to there. Obedience here will bring me there. But when I begin to do those things, here becomes the place of holy ground in my life. And it's kind of where we left off last week. I want to touch some things. And, and, and I would ask you, as humbly as I possibly can over the next couple of weeks, some of the most important things of this series. And I, I've heard from many of you, and, and I appreciate that. I'm, I don't fish for compliments. I, I, that's not my point at all. I'm trying to give you what I feel like God wants me to give to you. But I've had a lot of people mention to me, hey, I really appreciate this. <laughs> I would, if I could ask you over the next couple, the, the next two weeks, we're, we're going to, I believe, put some things together that will really make a difference in your life. And I want to use some things from the life of Moses and from Abraham perhaps over the next couple of weeks about how do we leverage here? How do we get God's working in our life? How, how do we let him minister to us right here so that the obedience here brings us to there? And that's what we're talking about with Moses. Let me just read this again in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 1. It says, One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock far into the wilderness, and he came to Sinai, the mount of God. Shared with you last week a little bit about one day. Moses was just, it was just one day. It was just a normal, everyday, regular day. He was doing his job. He was at work. And he wasn't in the wilderness. He was far into the wilderness. In other words, he was in a place that he did not expect God to speak to him. He did not expect that God was going to show up. He didn't, he was just going, he, he was just like you, you know, he, going to the grocery store, taking the kids to school, getting off of work one day, one day, one day. 
And in that one day, in that one moment, and you think about Moses, Moses was a guy, I mean, he kind of lived three lives. His, his first 40 years, he was in the king's palace. He was raised in Pharaoh's palace. He was a rich and powerful, well-educated person. He killed somebody. And the next 40 years, he's working for his father-in-law out far into the wilderness with a bunch of sheep. And I'm wondering if at this point in his life, he's, he's maybe some regret there. Maybe he's given up on a dream. Maybe he's just kind of like, you know what? I thought God was going to do this in my life, but apparently it's never going to happen. But one day, you see, the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. The call of God, the purpose of God for your life, God doesn't back up from that. Because he's called you from before the foundations of this world. Before you ever messed up, God already had a plan. And God wasn't looking at you the moment that you messed up or I messed up or we messed up, because we all have. He didn't go, well, there goes that. Let me get out my eraser. I thought it might happen for them, but it's not. I'm going to disqualify them. You can disqualify yourself. You can believe the lies of the enemy and God might look for somebody else, but there's still something in you that he wants to redeem. There's still something in you that is valuable and worthwhile. Sometimes we've learned to just settle. So he says, verse 2, there, there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. And maybe there's a, you think it's a dumpster fire of your life. But that could very well be the place that God shows up for you. Because you're here. And God can only minister to you here. God can only reach you here, not there. Moses, this is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go and see it. And when the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look. God will do some things in your life. It's like, man, I, I want to know more. I, I, I want to I take a step closer. James says that when you draw close to God, draw near to God, God will draw near to you. Just waiting to see what you're going to do. Which way are you going to turn? He said, I must go see it. And when the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. God says something. And Moses hears him and he replies. And the reason I said what I did just a little bit of, uh, ago, the next couple of weeks, I want to talk about something because here, H-E-R-E, -E, here is where you, H-E-A-R, here. Here is where you hear. That's why here is so important. Because you don't necessarily wait to hear when you get over there. Or, or when God says, you know, or when you think, well, when I know how to pray better. When I, Jesus talked about prayer. If you're praying to be seen, if you're trying to pray to get an attaboy, get a, do a good job. If that's the reason that you're praying, you're afraid to pray because you're afraid of what people might think. Then you've got the wrong motive altogether. Because the Heavenly Father hears in secret, he rewards openly. Don't be afraid to talk to your father. Don't be afraid to talk to your God. Well, I don't know how to pray. I don't sound like Pastor Tim when I pray. Nobody does. That's Pastor Tim praying. He went to Bible school. He's had years and years of prayer experience. No, it's because it flows from his heart. He's not making it up. Anyway, here is where you hear. And a lot of people are confused. I don't know how to hear God. I don't know how to hear from God. We're going to talk about that next week a little bit more. But I think the biggest challenge 
You ready for this? I think the biggest challenge that people have about hearing God, it isn't, it isn't hearing God, it is what they've heard about God. The challenge isn't hearing God, it's what you've heard about God. You've maybe struggled and something's happened in your life and somebody said to you, that's because God's angry at you. It's because God sinned, because you've sinned. And now God's not going to answer your prayer. And now God is mad at you and, 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 and all of the things that we've heard. God, tried to, God made you sick to try to teach you something. No, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says he's given us the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. He is our teacher. He's the one who leads us and guides us into the truth of God's word. He, this word is how he wants to lead us and guide us and teach us. Now, sometimes people have gotten sick and they finally stopped and it's been so bad that they've had to turn to God. And that's God using those circumstances. But he's not making you sick. Sometimes you put him first and that's the reason that your business crashed. Or I'm sorry, you didn't put him first. You put attaining a certain income first and you've gotten things out of order. But our biggest challenge isn't what God says, it's what we think God said or what we've been told God said. Unlearning those things, one of the biggest challenges that Christians have in our life. Whew. Amen. But here is where we hear. 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 It's the only place that I can, that I can hear from God. And so let me just embellish something. Let me just talk really practical to you this morning. The question, am I doing what God told me to do? The question, have I put God's kingdom first? How do I do that? How do I put the cross here? Simple test. Whose kingdom is first? Number one, you're going to hate this part, but here it goes. How do we spend our time? If we look at our calendar, if we look at what we've done, if we, if we kind of just do a 30-day, 60-day, 90-day thing, how have I spent my time? How, do I, how have I spent the, the, the time that God has given to me? That will tell me whose kingdom is first. Yeah, well, I'm, I've heard this, and I think it's just a trap of the devil. I'm just busy. I'm just busy, busy, busy. I just, boy, I just have no time. I'm busy. I think that's just a ploy and a tactic of the enemy. He wants to keep us busy. No time. I've been asking you to do the first 15. Five minutes of Bible reading. Five minutes of prayer. Five minutes of worship. First 15. Find 15 minutes. If you do not have 15 minutes, then your life is out of order. You have your priorities whacked. And I would do every... I'm sorry if that's too plain for you this morning. I think we just use it as an excuse. When I get more time over there, then. And we've been convinced by the enemy that we, the psalmist in Psalms chapter 90, what did he say to us? Lord, this is Moses who we're talking about. He's praying this prayer. And he said, Lord, teach us to number our days so that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. Knowing that we only have a limited amount of time helps us to understand how important every single moment is, how important my here is. I said it so, I did not say it very eloquently last week, but none of us are guaranteed five years from now. You only got right now. You only have here. We're not guaranteed next month, next week, next year. We're not guaranteed there. We're here. 
And we have to apply our hearts to wisdom. And I would encourage you. Hebrews chapter 10 tells us that we are to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. But we are to, even as we see the day approaching, we're to encourage one another. You need one another. If you're watching online, I know that some of you are watching online because kids are sick or you're not well or, or, or travel is difficult or you know, older, all of those things. But if you've just gotten comfortable watching online... You need fellowship. You need to be encouraged. And you also need to be an encourager. You need to be encouraged and you need to be an encourager. So how do I spend my time? Secondly, how do I spend my money? Those two things will reveal what's important to you. Those two things will reveal what your kingdom consists of or whose kingdom comes first. And I know people get really sensitive about money, but the reason we get, get sensitive about money is because as Jesus told us in Matthew chapter six, we talked about it last week, our money, our finances, and our heart are connected. And when somebody starts getting too close to things that we maybe are embarrassed of or, 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 or we want to possess or becomes more important to us, we get kind of sensitive. It's like, man, I don't stay away from there. And some of it isn't because of what God is saying, it's because of what you've heard. Church just wants your money. It's getting quiet in this Baptist church. It's not what God says. And we can argue, we, people argue about the tithe. Shelly and I tithe. We believe that that, that is 10% is the amount. That's what we're supposed to, we, we, actually that's the minimum amount. That's the starting point. And I know people aren't there. Some of you, wait, 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 wait. What's the tithe? It means tenth, 10%. 10% goes to God. Now, I know that some of you aren't there. And I, I don't, I'm not preaching legalism. I don't want to preach legalism to you. And people can argue about the tithe. Well, you know, that's Old Testament, Pastor Brian. Yes, it is. There's a whole lot of things in the Old Testament that we believe. It's also New Testament. The point simply is this. You may disagree with that, but... It's in those moments, in your first 15, in those moments where you are here with God that you get to wrestle with maybe something that is argued, something that the wisest human being on the earth other than Jesus said. King Solomon said, honor the Lord with the first part of your income. Honor the Lord with the first part of your income. What does that mean? He said, if you do that, there's going to be blessing that will come back to you. You get, to, you get to wrestle with what that means in your life. Is God's kingdom first or is my kingdom first? Am I doing what God says to do or am I not doing what God says to do? I can only determine those things here. And I, I can get really passionate about this because Shelly and I were in a place. Some of you have heard this, but I want to share it with you again. Shelly and I were in a place years ago. Sometimes people look at where we are today and think, well, you know, you've just got it made. Everything's easy, you know, blah, blah, blah. They forget about the path, the journey, the trail that we've walked. And we reached a point in our marriage and in our life years ago where it hurt to be where we were. We hated it here. We were pastoring a little church out in Pennsylvania. We went out there. Shelly was... How many months pregnant? Probably about six, five or six months pregnant with Pastor Steph. She's pregnant. We believe God wants us to go out there. Tremendous time, so important in our life, in our development, in our trust of God. 
And as we're talking on the phone with the people who are going to hire us, we're doing an interview with the board. <laughs> well, how much do you have to have to come out here? And I'm like, you know what? I don't want to talk about money right now. I want to know whether or not God wants me to go there or not. Because I say, if you tell me that, that, that the salary is $50,000 a year, I'm going to be there. And if you tell me that it's only 10000 a year, I'm going to have to really pray hard. So I don't want to talk about money. And they gulped. <laughs> and we went out there. And we knew that God wanted us to go out there. And they were only able to pay us 600 bucks a month. So I went to work. Out, I mean, I worked a full-time job. Did the church. Shelly had a baby. We had a baby. And I'm just telling you, it was extremely difficult in that our here was no fun. You know when Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, he said, you can't serve God and money. One of them is going to be your master. Money became our master. It wasn't that we were greedy. It wasn't that we wanted more. But money was our master. We'd get done with church and they would come, somebody would come and say, hey, we're going to go have lunch today. You want to join us? And we kind of look at each other. I'm trying to discern, are you inviting us to lunch? Are you buying? Because if you're buying, we're there. But if you're not, and we weren't sure sometimes. And so we're like, no, no, no. And then you got, you know, we want to go, we want to go. The kids, we want to go, we want to go. We want. It's like, pinch baby Stephanie so that she starts, oh, we got to get Steph home. You know, she's crying. <laughs> Money was our master. Money told us what we were going to do. You're not going. You're not going out with them. You're not going to give like you want to give because money became our master. And man, we were, we were not just a few hundred dollars, a few thousand dollars behind in credit card debt. We were way behind. Thousands of dollars. Honestly feeling like we'll never, so honestly feeling we will never get out of the hole that we are in. Never. It's hard to believe. And so we know what this feels like. We know what here can be like when it comes to your finances. Three things that got us out. Number one, we put God first. We honored God. We put that first. We gave. Secondly, we said no a lot. Stinking budget. We said no a lot. <laughs> and then we learned some principles. And so I, I, I want to encourage you. We, we, we encourage small groups here. We believe in the row. There's power and strength in the row, but we believe in circles. Circles are where we love one another, pray for one another, encourage one another. That happens in circles. You need to love, pray, and be encouraged. You need those things in your life. I want to show a quick video clip, Financial Peace University. I would encourage every, if those of you that are south of the age of 40, you especially, if you don't have any financial, if you're just hoping that one day things are going to get better, you're just hoping that one day you're going to have more, you need this class. Some of you need a refresher in this. Go ahead and play this little clip quick. What would happen if the people of God started handling money God's ways? You work too hard to get to the end of your life and have nothing to show for it. This is my family's legacy that I'm talking about here. I've got to have a plan and be focused. That knowledge that you pass down to your kids, that is how you change a family tree. You change your life when you get sick and tired of being sick and tired. And you have that moment where you say, I've had it. I'm 
not going to live like this anymore. Anybody ever felt that way? I've had it. I've had it. How many of you have done the Financial Peace University and there are great principles that you learned that help you have some financial peace? Amen. Several of you have. There's a whole lot of you that haven't. Now here's the thing. We've been asking the question. We're a family church teaching people to reach their world. We're a family church. How do we help this family church? How do we help families? I can't do a lot about your time. I can't do a lot about your schedule. You're going to have to figure that out. But this is a resource that we can offer to you, Financial Peace University. Um, we've been able to do something. Typically, this class will cost $79 for, for you to take this class. It seems funny to me. It's sort of, well, anyway, th this class will cost you $79 to take the class. It is worth every penny and more. We have been able to, as a church, we've been able to, uh, basically, we've entered into an agreement with uh, Ramsey Solutions. We've been able to, uh, basically, for a fee, we, we paid the fee, the generosity of the church, done this. We've paid a fee, and you can take the class for free. Amen. And there are, uh, uh, you can go to either greatjoy.org, the church app. There's some sign-ups out in the lobby area. Follow the directions. I don't need to tell you how to follow the directions, but what I'm going to tell you is simply this. You need this in your life. There's five classes that are going to be happening, one fairly soon, a couple in February and, and beyond. We've got them during the day. We've got them on Sunday. We've got them in the evenings. We've tried to do everything we can to remove every excuse that you might have for not taking this class because you need it. Say that again. You need this. If you want to have peace in your life as it relates to the area of finances, honoring God, putting him first, Saying no, as difficult as it is. And then learning financial principles will make a difference. Amen? Amen? So I would encourage you to take advantage of that. I've got a little bit more that I want to share with you this morning, but I think that I am going to wait until next week. Let me just give you a, a hint of things to come. Now I am going to say this. After God speaks to Moses, and Moses says, I'm here. And I want to flip that just a little bit. He said, actually in the scripture says, here I am. If I flip that, I am here. There's an intimacy and a transparency that you need to get before God. And you need to be honest with where you are. I'm here. And here is the very best place that I can be. Even though it hurts here, even though it's uncomfortable here, here is the best place that I can be. And then God says something unique to Moses, and he says to Moses, I want you to take off your shoes because you're standing on holy ground. Take off your shoes. Well, that seems odd. But do you realize, <laughs> what, what, what did Moses do as a job? Now, I don't know what they did to clean up poop back in the day, but my assumption is they didn't do anything. And shoes were the only protection that he had. And as he was walking along, the shoes protected him from rocks and from thorns and from dry brush and other things. And it protected him from poop and all the other stuff that was there. I wonder if he walked around with like that much poop and sand on the bottom of his shoes. If you ever walked through muddy things, it's like, after a while, you just see. But do you realize that his shoes were full of everything that he had been through in his life? And some of you have been through a lot. 
And it is only in that place when you are hearing from God, when you are transparent with God, when you're honest with God, that he can begin to minister to you in the things that you have been through. And he wants you to remove those things that you've been through because he's got something better for you. And that's the story of Moses. Ultimately, God's plan was going to happen in his life, but you've got to be willing to let go of the there that you left, that perhaps the there that obedience brought you into, and now you're here. You've got to be willing to let it go. And the moment that he took off those shoes, can you see that everything changed? Everything felt different. The thing that he had been standing on, the thing that he had been trusting in was gone and it was different. And so when he said, take off your shoes, it was three things. Number one, God, I'm available. I'm available to you, God. Speak to me. He became vulnerable. We don't want to do that. We're still trying to do what Adam and Eve did in the garden. We want to cover up. We want to hide from God. Being vulnerable with God only happens here. And then there was a sensitivity that was brought into his life. He understood some things in a way he had never understood them before. And it was those three things that set him up then for the next part of what God was going to say to him. Moses, you thought it was over. You thought it was gone. You thought that the dream was never going to happen. But Moses, I got good news for you. The best is yet to come. You are going to become one of the most powerful, one of the most famous, one of the most influential people in all of Israel's history. People are going to sing your song and they're going to be excited and they're going to give glory to me because of your life. And I think God wants to do that in us. That there, had Moses missed that point and opportunity, there were people that would never be delivered because of that. Are there people perhaps in our future, in our there, that need the story of our life and the redemptive arc that God puts in our life? Praise God. I'm going to ask you to pray with me. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for this congregation of men and women. Thank you for where we are as a church. Thank you for us and your presence here where we are. And Father, I ask that you would help us, that we would have an availability to you and to your word and to your spirit. Don't let what we've heard about you move us away from what you're saying to us here. Father, I pray that we would become more and more vulnerable before you, that we would allow you to minister to us in our hurt and in our pain and our anxiety, and that, Heavenly Father, there would be a sensitivity in our heart, not just in hearing you, but knowing how you will use those things to benefit and help other people. So I thank you for that in the name of Jesus, and everybody said, amen. amen. I have one more thing before I let you go. Show, would you help me with this for just a moment? We don't do this very often. We've got a very, very, very important anniversary uh, uh, that we want to... Actually, Pastor Tim, would you help show with this? We have a very important anniversary that we want to celebrate this morning. And uh, a lot of times we don't do stuff like this, but... Um, I think it's important that we're celebrating a 40th anniversary today, and uh, in that 40th anniversary, uh, it actually is a 40th anniversary of a uh, 30th birthday, and uh, it is Pastor Tim's birthday today. I actually, I haven't even seen it. I kind of want to see it now. <laughs> Pastor Tim, do you know what this is right over here? Pop-Tart. <laughs> breakfast of champions. It's the breakfast. 
Until the doctor stops you. <laughs> if you didn't hear it, if you didn't hear it online, Pastor Tim said Pop-Tarts are the breakfast, breakfast of champions unless the doctor tells you not to. Pastor Tim ate more Pop-Tarts than I've ever seen a human being eat. I like Pop-Tarts. We were in Canada fishing and he had like a case of Pop-Tarts. Pop-Tarts and then lately, or not so much lately now, he's been a good boy, but, but uh, <laughs> ramen noodles. Man, oh man, those salt and noodles. I mean, nothing wrong with that. Anyway, except for, you know, yeah, that, all that stuff. But anyway, Pastor Tim, we wanted to celebrate. Yeah, exactly. Can you tell that he's lost a little bit of weight? Amen. Now, hold on to that. We're not done. Just, just hang on. We spent money on this poster. Let's get some life out of it. <laughs> Pastor Tim, you are loved here. You are here. Yes. And uh, I can't think of, amen. Amen, yeah. Amen. amen. You know, we said this last week, things are done in secret. God rewards openly. And so you're getting some of that earth. Heavenly reward has now just been transferred. You some of your reward here. <laughs> You can be seated again. We're not quite done yet. But I just wanted to say this publicly to Pastor Tim. You guys have been here since almost the beginning of this church. You were with us at North Junior High. Uh, you were with us when we bought that building and remodeled it. Pastor Tim and I were here cutting floors and jackhammering concrete and carrying stuff around and wanting to... Well, he wanted to cuss. I wouldn't do that. But um, <laughs> No, he didn't. Pastor Tim has, has been one of those people that have done so much in secret. You don't know the care, the love, the prayer, the heart that he has towards you and towards this church, towards me as a pastor. Uh, and I cannot say thank you enough to you and Teresa for what you've done uh, for this congregation, how you've loved it, how you've ministered to it. I know that you hate this with every fiber of your being. Kill him here. Pastor Tim turns 70 today. That's a big number. Yeah. So I just thought it would be good for, for us as a congregation to honor him and honor you. Uh, I do have somewhere. It's in your purse. We've got a gift from Joy Christian Center for you. I have this little saying, nothing says I love you like cash. And uh, so go have some fun. And... Uh, uh, I hear that Foley is nice this time of year, so. Uh. <laughs> so I think for two things, just to let you know before we dismiss, we've got some Pop-Tarts out in the lobby area. We want you to grab one on your way, go grab your kids, stuff like that. Say hi to Pastor Tim. In fact, Pastor Tim, we're going to sing, actually, we're going to pray over you. Then we're going to sing happy birthday. Then we're going to ask you and Teresa and Caitlin, you guys can go out there, and then we're going to dismiss all of you to, to go out there, grab a Pop-Tart. Pastor Tim's one of those who doesn't like a lot of contact, so maybe shake his hand, but don't be hugging on him. Don't be doing all those other things. Today is okay. Oh, today is okay. All right, all right, good. 
but not next week, all right? Don't think that this is a today-only offer. You act fast. All right, we're going to pray. Would you stretch your hands this way towards Pastor Tim? Father, thank you so much for the faithfulness of this man of God. Thank you for the heart with which he carries out your ministry to this congregation. I thank you, Heavenly Father, for the prayers that he has prayed, for the desire in his heart to see this church grow, to see it succeed. I thank you, Heavenly Father, that he has faithfully sown and that he has faithfully planted seed in in every aspect and facet of his life. And Father, I ask that you would bless him, the things that he has done in secret, that you would reward him openly. That Father, you would meet every need, that you would bring great peace and joy and strength and fulfillment of vision into his heart and into his life. I thank you that while some people are are, are counting down and resting at the age of 70, I believe that you're going to give Pastor Tim even more life and more power, more vision. I thank you, Father, that he will accomplish those things. And so, God, we thank you for him. We thank you for the gift in him. We ask it to continue to grow and be a blessing. I thank you, Father, that you give them sustained health and grace in all things. And we thank you, Father, and we give you honor and glory for his life in Jesus' name. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. I'm going to ask you guys, you can go and then love you, man. Pastor Tim, happy birthday to you. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Joy Christian Center. Let those guys get back there. We've got Pop-Tarts out in the back back there and all that good stuff. God bless you. Have an awesome Sunday.